I'd like to talk to you today about NFTs, <laughs> about non-fungible tokens. Don't turn, don't turn off the video. <laughs> don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so, okay, okay, okay. You've probably got a preconceived notion about whether or not NFTs are A, wonderful, or B, the worst thing that has ever happened, right? Well, I, I spent some time with them over the last month, kind of tinkering with them and talking to some people who are kind of big in the NFT space, or not big in the NFT space, but, you know, doing NFT things. And I've finally come away with a generally positive viewpoint of NFTs, and I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to come away with the viewpoint of NFTs are a crock. NFTs are nothing but, you know, pyramid schemes on top of Ponzi schemes on top of broken technology that's eating our planet alive and blah, 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 blah. That's what I expected. Um, I mean, I, I had a pretty neutral opinion of it at first, uh, but I expected once I got into it to just kind of laugh about it. I, I was... I was talking to my wife uh, when I first started tinkering with NFTs. I created a, a series of NFTs, right? And and uh, I've talked about it a little bit over on uh, the Lunduk Journal. And uh, what I expected to happen was like like eighty percent chance it was just going to just be stupid and fall apart and be pointless and and it was going to make for a fun story and I was going to be able to laugh about how how dumb NFTs are and in the end in the end the kind of the opposite happened I ended up I ended up rather enjoying the process and enjoying the experience and and really appreciating the people I was talking to and finding in the end really valuable uses for NFTs. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. I I launched something today uh, that I call that I call nerd cards. They're nerd trading cards. And uh, they're awesome. You can see some of them on the screen if you're watching the video version of the show right now. Uh, with like retro tech trading cards, like baseball cards, but with retro tech. And it's the goofiest thing. And I, I love it so much. Um, but I, I want to back up a second. I want to back up a second about how I got to this point. So <clears throat> I wrote an article. I wrote an article over on the Lunduk Journal uh, called NFTs, the Good, the Bad, and the Goofy. I wrote this a couple of days ago, uh, kind of summing up my experience thus far about how I felt about NFTs. And, and I made it very clear that there's some th reasons to make fun of NFTs. Um, but there's the most of the reasons that people make fun of NFTs don't make any sense once you start really digging into them. I, I think I think there's a fundamental misunderstandings about how NFTs work that inherently cause people to to make fun of them. And one of the big things about that, one of the big root guffaws that people have related to NFTs is the whole right click save as thing. You know, when you see an NFT, it's it's always of a picture, right? Some work of art, usually a pixel art of, of a randomly generated monkey, right? So so people are like, ah, why would I buy that when I can right-click, save as, and now I have that JPEG, right? And what I find really, really interesting about that is, is that misses the point of what NFTs are. And so uh, take a step back for a minute. Let's consider the Mona Lisa, right? So if, you, if you've seen the Mona Lisa... Everyone's seen the Mona Lisa. Uh, 
You've seen, you can see the Mona Lisa all across the internet. There's like a million web pages with the Mona Lisa in it, right? Uh, people have wallpaper of the Mona Lisa. I've seen, I've seen people have wallpaper with like, you know, their desktop wallpaper with the Mona Lisa. Do those people own the Mona Lisa? No, the Mona Lisa is owned by the French government. But can I just go like I have the Mona Lisa in my article right now. You can right click on it, save as and you have the Mona Lisa JPEG. Does that mean you own the Mona Lisa? No. Does that make the Mona Lisa itself, the original, the real one, less valuable? No. What is it that makes the original valuable? It, it's sort of that it was the original, that there's a, a, a unique identifier to it, that there's a bill of sale associated with it. All these things combined together to make the original Mona Lisa valuable. Uh, and it's it, it, that's just generally how it works. And the Mona Lisa sold for a huge amount of money last time it sold. I'll get into that in a second. Um, but that, that, that's why the, the whole right-click save as things doesn't work. It doesn't work as a, as a way of making fun of NFTs because NFTs is not DRM. People, I think people expect NFTs to be this big DRM wrapper. It's not. It's not. It's a way of, of identifying who owns an original of something, right? So if I make a, a work of art, <laughs> let's say I make a, a, a comic strip. I've done this a couple of times now where I've taken a, a comic strip I've made and I've made it into an NFT and I've put it up and I've sold it uh, on, uh, I use OpenSea as my NFT marketplace and I sell it up there, right? I sell a copy of it and uh, uh, only let one person buy it for a lot of them. And that one person then owns that NFT, that original work of art, right? Just like if I were to write or to not write a painting, but paint a painting and then sell it, sell the original, right? I can still have, there can still be copies of the original floating around, digital scans of the original floating around, sometimes depending on the licensing, even monetized. But that original, that original piece of art is owned by a person and they have a easy to publicly, transparently verify way to prove that they own it. And that's what NFTs does. It takes what people already do in the real world in purchasing, buying, selling, trading art. And it makes it so it works in a digital in a digital place it, on the internet. It makes it work because otherwise it, it really doesn't work that well, right? Uh, buying and selling art without something like this, well, you could say, okay, I'm going to send you pay, uh, uh, $500 via PayPal and you send me the watercolor painting of a tree that you made. Okay, well, send me that JPEG. Cool. I now have that JPEG. Okay. So how do I how do I prove then my ownership? Uh, an email with you, I guess. And then how do I resell it to someone else? I got to go to them and say, "Look, I got this email from this guy." Well, those can be forged and, and and lost and duplicated and all sorts of things. It's it it's very difficult to do those sorts of transactions where you're trading those sorts of goods via say email or uh or digital email receipts from paypal or whatnot but with nfts it works it works to trade art that way so now trading art becomes viable so right click save as sure go ahead so i put up a bunch of art over oh, as nfts and people immediately made the right click save as jokes to me ah i saved them all 
Like, great, great, save them, share them, show them to people. It's art. It's cool. But that one person that bought it, they own it. But, but yeah, go ahead, share it with people. It's fine with me. I don't care. It makes me happy. Share it and enjoy it. It's art. But someone can still say, I own this. Now, now let's also talk about the monkeys thing. Because the there's several, in fact, many of the biggest NFT projects are programmatically created art, right? So what they do is they take base pictures. They make a base picture that's a, a base JPEG or PNG or whatever of, in this case, a monkey, right? Let's talk about the Bored Ape Yacht Club, which is like one of the biggest ones. Like so much money has been, how much money? Where Where is this at here? Let me, let me see. I think I've got this in the article. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over a billion dollars worth of transactions have occurred for the Board Ape Yacht Club. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, a single one is sold for, for billions of dollars, but one of them did sell for half a million dollars worth of uh, Ethereum. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy to me. Uh, but it's fine because that's what people are willing to pay for it, right? Because it's art. Now, now, let's think about this for a second. What the Bored Ape Yacht Club is, is they took a picture of a monkey, a base picture of a monkey, and a large collection of monkey parts. You know, ears and colors and mouths and hats and accessories and whatnot, and used a script or an application to programmatically generate 10,000 unique JPEGs of monkeys. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it laughs so much it makes me cough. It's ridiculous, right? And then those sell for half a million dollars. And at first you're like, wait a minute, that's insane. Randomized art. Well, now wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Let's scroll down here. I'm gonna, if you're watching the video version of this, up on the screen, and if you're not, you can just go check out uh, lundugutsubstack.com and see the pictures as we talk about it. What I've got up on the screen is a Jackson Pollock painting. It's called Number 5, 1948. It is objectively just a random or at least semi-random splattering of paint. Jackson Pollock took some paint and splattered it until it was just an absolute mess. It's like it's like a giant swallowed 2,000 tons of spaghetti and a bunch of paint shook his belly up and vomited on a canvas. It's random. The last time that painting sold, it sold for 140 million dollarinis. <laughs> and just to be clear, that's U.S. dollars. That's not like, like dollarinis or something else. That's buckazoids. That's real cold, hard bucks. That's some sweet, sweet cheddar. Now let's think about this for a second. That was a one semi-random painting of someone just going flip, 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 and flinging paint all over a canvas. I would make the argument, as crazy as this sounds, that those 10,000 randomly generated monkeys have significantly more artistic value than that Jackson Pollock painting. They just do, in my mind. Because not only did someone have to make something that was designed to have an inherent look, they designed 
hundreds and hundreds of individual pieces and parts that engineered together and can be can be put together aesthetically so it looked like it all formed together in one cohesive piece and then developed a piece of software to in turn generate all of them. To me, there's a whole lot of skill and art and whatnot that went into that. So at first I was like, ah, ha, ha, 10,000 generated monkeys. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If Jackson Pollock can basically vomit color onto a paint, onto a canvas and make it be worth $140 million, shoot, those monkeys are worth a ton. (laughs) Because realistically, art is worth what you pay for it, right? Art is worth what people are willing to pay for it. That's that's how art works. That's how art has always worked. And honestly, that's how art should work. And NFTs really works well for that. It really does. And it works well as a as a mechanism for supporting artists and supporting creators and direct because you can directly support them because NFTs provides an interesting thing that just simply trading art in the real world doesn't always do. What you can do with NFTs is uh, you can say, I'm going to make a randomly generated monkey, right? Or whatever. Photography, real, like, uh, watercolor paintings scanned in, whatever you want it to be. And you can sell it. And when you sell it, you can set it so that every time that piece of art resells, you get a royalty, And you set what that percentage is and you make that publicly known. So there's no scams. There's no trickery. It's all just public information. You can say every time this resells, I get two and a half percent of whatever the sale price is. So like, like, for instance, that Jackson Pollock painting for $140 million. Did Jackson Pollock make $140 million? I don't believe so. I believe it was some collector sold it to another collector or to a museum for $140 million. So... So does the original artist in those cases get those hundreds of millions of dollars? Usually not. Usually what happens is an artist sells a painting for $100. And then 10 years later, that painting resells for $10,000. Well, the artist doesn't get any of that money. But with NFTs, they do. I'm going to cough right now. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and But they do. And it's totally optional, but I love that feature about it. So an artist can put their their oeuvre available as NFTs and sell it to their supporters, their fans, their collectors. And they every time they resell, if they keep going up in value, they get a cut of that. I like that. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to support people. There's no scamming in it. There's no trickery involved. It's ridiculously transparent. You can look at the whole thing from a publicly accessible point of view and just look at it. And I love that about it. I love the openness of it. It just it makes me smile. And, and, and I've been looking around at some different artists that, that have been doing exactly this. And um, uh, Doug Tennapel um, has been doing uh, some really interesting stuff on NFTs. And he, you might know him as the guy who created the video game Earthworm Jim, <laughs> which is a great game, right? Um, but he's also done a lot of other artwork. He's, he's, he's got a really impressive resume of just art and animation and all sorts of stuff. And he, he publishes a 
big, huge amount of art. And some of it is just, you know, clearly just hand-drawn, uh, unique, interesting pieces of art. Other pieces are clearly, you know, like randomly generated or pseudo-randomly generated art, kind of like the, the 10,000 monkeys. It's kind of a, a variety, a mixture. And... And people can support him directly. They can support the work they do, collect the things they do, and form a community around around that person's artwork. And I love that. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, and then I, I want to briefly touch on the environmental stuff. Because a lot of people, a lot of complaints come to NFTs because of it being damaging to the environment. I'm not going to get into political discussions around it, but it's a real thing that uh, blockchain technology does tend to use quite a bit of electricity, right? It just does. Um, now, whether you think that's a good thing, a bad thing, or a neutral thing, I don't want to get into it. But if you think that's a bad thing, um, there's interesting things happening in that front. Uh, there's this there's this uh, blockchain called Polygon that... Uh, basically helps you use wrapped versions of, of various cryptocurrencies like Ethereum. And when you do transactions, you can do transactions using significantly less electricity. And in fact, if you do buy an NFT, and all my NFTs are sold this way, right? Oh, using Polygon on OpenSea. If you buy it that way, it uses a teeny tiny fraction of the electricity that say a Bitcoin uh, transaction takes or almost any cryptocurrency transaction takes. It's fantastic. So it's it's really not that big of a hit um, electricity wise. And so I think that's that's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of other uses for NFTs that I don't quite know about and I don't quite have an opinion on using NFTs in games, for example. There's a lot of interesting projects that I've looked at, but I'm just not so sure about it in part because I'm an old fuddy-duddy, right? I like my games offline. I like my games without DRM. I like my games without online updaters. And that doesn't mean that any of these things happening where, where NFTs are being used in games are inherently bad. Um, I just, I like my games disconnected from the online world. I, I just, I just do. So anyway, so, so there's some value there with NFTs. And so after I started playing with it, and I, I kind of wrote that article and uh, I, I sold a couple of NFTs and I started I started collecting a couple of NFTs as well. You know, I'm not spending a lot of money, you know, 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there. Right. I'm not I'm not I'm not Mr. Moneybags. I'm not looking to make a billion dollars. But when I see artists that I, I like, I like to support them. Right. And this was an interesting way to support artists that I was really impressed by and and, and I really liked. Um, uh, and so I, I did. And. What I realized was, is I was enjoying it because it was, for me, it was a lot like when I traded baseball cards as a kid. It, it kind of scratched that itch. And I don't know if it's just the nostalgia factor, but I, it, it, I found it enjoyable in the same way I did when I was a kid, when I was going through and, and, uh, you know, getting baseball cards and putting them into sleeves and, 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 you know, creating a little, little notebook of, of the baseball cards I had and looking up their prices and their values and, and going to the baseball card shops and lusting after like, you know, the one particular like rookie card of a, of a player I liked. And, and I'm like, Oh, that's great. And, and looking at my friend's baseball cards, we'd have our binders with those little, you know, transparent sleeves and we'd be looking through them. And I enjoyed that. 
I really enjoyed that as a kid. And that and that's when I decided to tinker with something. What if you took you used NFTs to create baseball cards, but for old computers? So like uh I, so what I did is I started mocking it up to seeing what it would look like. And so I mocked up one for an Apple II. I'm like, okay, so I took an Apple II. I created kind of a kind of a cool, like drawn, stylized version of an Apple II machine. Uh, and put in the picture on a card and kind of gave it kind of an old school, like retro looking like baseball card border around it and and put some stats on there, you know, like the, the 6502 processor and the 64K RAM and all that. And put the year of the Apple II on it, the 1977. That's when the Apple II came out. Put that on there. And, and when I was all done, I was looking at it and I immediately thought, oh, I want these. And my initially like I both want these physically like I want physical trading cards of these but I also want the digital ones like I want them all I want to collect them like right like I want to collect maybe I don't even want to collect all of them but I want to collect a lot of them like there's a lot of old computers I want to do and so then so then I made a second one uh for the Osborne one you remember the Osborne one it was kind of like the first big portable computer it was a lot like those old compact luggables except the screen was in the dead center of the machine instead of on the side and it had two five and a quarter floppy disks on either side of it almost like it had like big giant ears um anyway it was this this really cool machine it ran uh cpm um the 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 slowest version of it or the lowest ram version of it was only a 64k machine it was back in 1981 anyway really cool machine really cool machine so i created one for the osborne one and i looked at the two of them i'm like i'm doing this i'm doing this and so i decided to do it i I decided i'm gonna make this and i did and i I just launched it today um it's the uh, i call it the uh the nerd cards right so it's nerd trading cards so if you go to i'll put the link um, I'm all over the place. So if you're like watching this on like a video streaming service, I'll put the link there. And otherwise just go to the article over on lunduk.substack.com and I'll have links over there to the, uh, the nerd trading cards. Uh, and you can see some pictures of it. I've created, uh, I got nine or 10 of them up there right now. Um, I've got two more ready to go for tomorrow. And then I've got two more ready to go for the day after that. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of keep putting these out there. I, I really, I really get a kick out of them. They are nerdy trading cards for retro computer and classic computer enthusiasts to trade, to basically just, just to trade to trade between each other, to, to buy them, to collect them, to hold on to them for investments, which some people do with, with baseball cards, or just to have them to look at, uh, to show them off to people, whatever you want to do. Um, in fact, like, like <sighs> NFTs are not going anywhere. I mean, they're, they're just not. Whether you like them or you dislike them, uh, the functionality for NFTs is being incorporated a bunch of places. Like Twitter announced today that they're making it so you can set uh, your your profile picture on Twitter. Uh, I, this is weird, but uh, you can set it to an NFT. So if you own an NFT, you can set it in your wallet. You can point your Twitter account to your wallet, and then it'll display that NFT as your profile picture. So like if you bought like the Apple II trading card or my, uh, my IBM 5150 trading card, uh, you could set that as your profile picture, and boom, it would be your profile picture, and you own it, right? So what I did is each card has X number available. I think I, I think I have like 25 of each for sale. 
right now and and you can just buy them i made them really cheap there's a couple of dollars um that way people can just grab the ones they're interested in and it's it's super easy so uh go go over to lenduktosubstack.com uh you click on the links uh and go over to the nerd cards collection on OpenSea. it's really easy to get set up if you don't have an account it really is uh you just got to set up a, a wallet that can handle that sort of thing so like uh coinbase wallets uh there's like there's like 10 or 15 different wallets that everyone use. Um, there's some distributed ones if you want to make sure it's not run by any one company. Um, it's it, they're, all, they're all easy to use. It's really easy to set up. Takes just a couple of minutes. And honestly, it's kind of a fun, nerdy process. If you haven't done that process, I recommend it so that you can speak authoritatively about when NFTs are. Because before I went through the steps of setting up my wallet uh, buying a couple of NFTs and even selling a couple of NFTs, I didn't really fully get it. It didn't click. Now that I understand, it's just basically an online implementation of what was already being possible in the real world for buying and selling and collecting artwork. Well, yeah, now it just makes sense. And trading cards works for that. Like I can put up uh, the Apple II card, right? So you can go there. Um, so here, here you go over here uh, to the nerd trading cards. Uh, there's, there's this over here. It's real simple. You go over there and you just find one and, uh, and you just click on it and, and, and buy it, right? And then it's just super easy. It's just super easy and super, super fun. I, I highly recommend trying it out. And now, now I know it's cool. It's cool. Um, and then uh, let me know when you do it. I, I want to hear about it. Like I, because honestly, I want us to show each other our collections, right? Um, I'm going to do some nerdy peripherals. Like uh, we're going to do a, a couple of printers uh, next week. I'm going to do a few printers. I got a, a, a laser writer, a big old Epson uh, daisy wheel printer, um, a, a big plotter I'm going to do. Um, and, and just kind of go through a lot of the really, some of the famous keyboards and joysticks and also a couple of famous, uh, mice, <laughs> because why not? Um, anyway, it just because, right. And so we can collect these things and show these things and you set it as your wallpaper, set it, you know, just show people your, your collection, whatever. It's just fun. Uh, use it as an investment and turn around and resell it because you can resell it. You can, it's yours. It's just like if you bought a real baseball card. So what, what's kind of cool is, is I made, so Let's say 25 people go and buy an Apple II trading card. Cool. Each of you owns that same trading card, right? Well, you guys don't just own a pointer to the same trading card. What you really own is you kind of own a certificate with a unique identifier that says, I own this trading card. Your trading card realistically is in that way unique from all the other Apple II trading cards out there. Yeah, they all look the same but you know they're unique and you can turn around and resell it in a very, very authoritative, hard to hack sort of way to anyone else who wants to buy it. So you buy for a couple of bucks my Osborne One trading card. If a couple months from now these cards are worth more, you can turn around and resell it or you can hold on to it and just say, aha, I have a value in these trading cards, right? Cool. Very, very cool. Anyway, I think this is fun. 
I think this is just so much fun because computers should be fun, darn it. Computers should be so much fun. We should be able to goof off with computers. Is a lot of what we're doing here goofy? Yes, it really is. And that's part of what makes it wonderful. Anyway, I thank you to everyone who has supported what I do on Locals, on Substack, lunduke.substack.com, lunduke.locals.com. Thank you for those of you who have picked up my NFTs. Uh, thank you for those of you who have supported me for so many years at various publications back at the Linux Journal and and Network World and IDG and and all the old podcasts and shows I used to do. I, I, I couldn't be here without you. And I really, really do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I hope you have a lot of fun with this. Um, it, go take a look at them. <clears throat> go take a look at them and set up a wallet. Try it. <clears throat> Just try it. See how it goes. Uh, I think you'll have a lot of fun. And if you do, please, please tell me about it. I want to hear about all of it. I want to hear about everyone you pick up. I want to I want to I want to see what you do with them. Make them into wallpaper, turn them into your avatars. Just look at them and screenshot your collections. It's just so much fun. It's like it part of what is brings brought me joy when I was a kid with baseball cards wasn't just my collection. It was my friend's collection and lusting after my friend's collection and trading with my friends and thinking how cool it was what they got. And when you pick up the packs of cards and you open it up and each of you checks out what you got and you swap cards around and, and then you go down to the baseball card shop and you see that one card that you want that costs like 15 bucks and you're like, oh, I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy that one card. And then you buy it and you put it you put it in like a, a little silicone, one of those hard transparent cases and you put it up on your bookshelf and you're like, yeah, I got that rookie card. That's my Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card right there. Right? That was so much fun. And now we can do it with retro computers. And that's just, that's just even funner. Anyway, I love all of you. I hope you're having a great time. And I will talk to you a little bit later.